Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek and Riv and this is now episode 62. In this episode, we're going to recap the championship round weekend that includes talking about Matt LaFleur's questionable decision to kick a field goal instead of going for it if Aaron Rodgers will be the Packers QB next season, if Brady proved he was more important to the Patriots dynasty than Belichick, then we're going to recap the Bills season and answering the important question of what's their missing piece. And we're also going to talk about whether the Chiefs are taken for granted or not. Then we'll finish off the show by giving out our grades for every new head coach hiring and our thoughts on Haskins getting signed by the Steelers and potential trade destinations for Matthew Stafford. So a pretty packed show. We're going to be recapping the championship round weekend. We're not going to go. We're not going to recap it in the way of going game by game. We're just going to talk about each team that either won or lost. So yeah, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Can't complain. A little snowy out today, but at least it wasn't like a snowstorm. Like it was originally supposed to be. You know, your favorite line is "can't complain." Like every show, yeah, you know, I can't complain. Life, is, life is good. You know, yeah, life, life is cool. Life I gotta put air in my tires. I, I, I tried going to Wawa the other day, and the, the place, the air pump, whatever you call it, it's not working. Like I went to like four different gas stations, and all their air pumps are out of service. See now, Joel can complain because that is a thing you can complain. <laughs> yeah. About. Then I went to one gas station and I tried pumping air in my <laughs> tires. And for some reason, it wasn't going higher. Like, the air was not going higher. It was literally going lower as I was, you know, trying to pump it. Do you have, like, a leak in your tire? I don't like, think so. Like, did you so. hit a nail or something? Did you guys start classes yet? No, nah, I didn't yet. I don't know about you. I start tomorrow. I don't think so. I don't think it has a leak because I tried the other side and the same thing happened. That's I, weird. I think it was just Maybe it's just gas the air. station. I don't start till the 8th. This is really late, but we also don't have a spring break, and we're ending late. So dope, 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 dope. How about you? You started school? Yeah, I started last week. <clears throat> All right, man. Nobody asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're gonna get right into the show. So, important question: There's been a lot of drama between, I guess you can say, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't say drama, but. There is some speculation of whether he's going to ask for a trade or not. He went on the Pat McAfee show and he said there wouldn't be a reason why he wouldn't be a Packer next year. So, you know, probably he put the speculation to rest. But what do you think? Do you think that Aaron Rodgers will be on the Packers next season? And also tell me a little bit about the game and why you think Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal instead of going for it down eight. Um, I do think. Aaron Rodgers is going to be here next year just because of the simple fact of the amazing year he had this year. I think he showed everybody that he's still an elite quarterback, a top three quarterback in this league. And I think with Jordan Love, you you have your quarterback that's going to eventually take over for Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think they're plan they're planning on Aaron Rodgers to groom him and put him in that position where he can succeed. I also think this team, you know, last year they made the same they made it to the NFC Championship last year, but I think last year we looked at them. Is more of pretenders. We didn't really think, oh, this is a team that can go to the Super Bowl. I think with this year, though, we saw this team as a heavy hitter that can potentially make the Super Bowl. And I think if they bring everybody back next year, this is a team that can run it back. You know, they have a top two corner in this league in Jair Alexander. They have a top two wide receiver in Devontae Adams. If they can just get a few more weapons out there on offense, I think they'll be good. Now, 
regarding the game, I think Matt LaFleur did it just because I feel like, this is just my opinion, I think he trusted his defense that game. I think he really felt like his defense could get a stop. Now, I'm not saying it's the right decision, but I'm just saying with his mindset going, I really think he felt like, okay, we kicked this field goal, and I, I truly believe that my defense can get a stop. You know, we got three interceptions on the day. I think we can get a stop on this guy and then give Aaron Rodgers one more shot. It didn't happen the way it did, but I think that was just his mindset going forward. I mean, for me, when we talk about the Packers' future and Aaron Rodgers, their president, Mark Murphy, said that we're not idiots. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers will be back. And I don't – Aaron Rodgers will be on the Packers this upcoming season. For To me, there's no doubt about that. Next season – like the next next season after this one that's going to come up, I think he might be gone or two seasons after this one. You think retire or just gone? I think gone because when you look at it, it just makes sense. In 2021, which is this next season that's coming up, he has a $37 million cap hit. The dead cap for releasing or trading him would be $31 million. So they're only saving $6 million. It doesn't make sense. But then in 2022, they have a... $39 million cap hit and a dead cap of $17 million, so they'll save $20 million. When he was talking about how he's uncertain about the, his future, he was more so talking about the free agents that the Packers have scheduled. You look at the free agents, they have Corey Lindsley as a free agent, Jamal Williams, Robert Tunyon, Alan Lazard, Aaron Jones, Devontae, and they have... I think is a free agent next year. And they have negative $32 million in cap space. So I don't know how they're going to make it work, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to give a hefty contract to Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams is probably gone, which is why they drafted A.J. Dillon. Corey Lindsley, who's one of the best centers in the NFL, probably gone. I think that Rick Wagner might be a free agent too, and he was awesome for them this season. And then Robert Tunyon. He had a breakout season, but that's his one breakout season. Are you going to give him that type of money? I don't think so. And then Alan Lazard, he might be back, but... A lot of the players that you saw in the Packers this past season are not going to be back next season. I think next season the Packers will probably have a down year. And then the year after that, Aaron Rodgers will get traded because I don't think Jordan Love right now is ready. I think he needs another year to develop, which the Packers are going to give him, and then then they're going to give him the keys and let go of Rodgers. And then 2023, which is his last year on contract, he has a $28 million cap hit and a dead cap of $2 million. So they're going to move on from him either after the 2022 season or the 2023 season, but I don't think it's going to be now. Yeah, and all of those names that you mentioned coming up in free agency, a lot of those weapons that they had this year are going to be gone, and we were talking before and throughout the season about how the lack of a solid number two was hurting the Packers. And, you know, they were in discussions for Will Fuller to, to line up across from Devontae Adams and now you look at it, Lazard, Jones, Williams, Tunyon, all those guys, you know, who knows who they're going to bring out, bring back out of that core. And so the, the question mark that you already had about bringing in weapons to help him out now even becomes bigger, especially with the cap situation you're in. So like you said, I feel like him having those quotes in the postgame were more about the team's future. I really don't see a world where Aaron Rodgers isn't a Packer next season but I think it's going to get ugly moving forward. I, I do think he is with the Packers next year, but then from there, I, I'm very uncertain because this situation, like if you had asked me last year, 
before the draft, I would have said Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Packer for life. But drafting a quarter, trading up to draft a quarterback in the first round when you're a Super Bowl contender and you have a top two quarterback in the NFL, not exactly a sign of good faith, especially when there are positions of need on the field for you. Like that to me signaled, okay, that relationship isn't perfect. And then obviously there was reports before this year about him and LaFleur not having the best relationship. And obviously they worked it out throughout the season, but I seriously question the relationship between him and the franchise. And I don't think he will end his career a Packer. I think uh, drafting quarterback, basically the franchise did what Joel did. You know, they seamlessly saw the cap space. They saw what they were going to be in for the next couple of years. And they were like, this might be over in the next one, two seasons. So we're going to have to give our quarterback his last run because this might be over. And we need a quarterback that's going to take over inevitably for Aaron Rodgers. And I, I, like you said, I did think Aaron Rodgers would probably be a Packer for life. Same way I thought Tom Brady would be a Patriot for life. And you see he's gone. So I, I, next year, definitely he'll be there. He'll rock out for this upcoming season. The year after, I, I don't know. But where do you think he would probably go, though? I mean, I don't. I can't answer that question because there's going to be so many teams that we think are going to get a quarterback this yeah. season. We're not sure. I can't answer that question. But what I will say is this: Devontae Adams and Jairi Alexander are free agents next year. Ooh. So for them to spend time. cap on these guys right now probably doesn't make sense. But I want to give the Packers a lot of credit because I think people are looking at it from a short-term perspective in terms of drafting a receiver to compliment Rodgers to try to get a Super Bowl now. Like, I get it. But at the same time, I felt like last year Jordan Love was a guy you couldn't pass up. And a lot of teams passed up on him. I'm really high on Jordan Love. Like, I'm I'm extremely high on Jordan Love. And if we recall, everybody hated the A.J. Dillon pick when he was yeah. picked in the second round. Now they're losing Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams they're definitely not bringing back Aaron Jones because he's going to command a pretty hefty contract. A.J. Dillon, in hindsight, it was the right pick because he has shown flashes for the Packers and they need a cheap running back. Robert Tunyon, a free agent. In hindsight, it was a good thing the Packers drafted Josiah DeGuara because he can fill in those shoes possibly next season. And I think in hindsight, Jordan Love was the right pick too because it's so... Obviously, you can't make a hot take that he's going to be this as great as Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great. But they do need a quarterback on a rookie contract because if you're paying Jairi, who was who's shown to be a top-five corner this season, you have to pay Devontae Adams. You don't really have room to pay Aaron Rodgers that much money. You know, if you want to build the best possible team around Jordan Love to try and win with him after Rodgers is gone, you can't really pay Rodgers right now, so... I think in hindsight, what they did in the draft and what they're going to do in terms of not signing some of these guys back is going to be the right decision. I just think that the Packers had too many holes. The last year, they couldn't stop the run. And this year, they had very minimal holes. I think they got better in the run, especially in the playoffs. But they didn't have that second playmaker. And I guess that's a good argument, but they could have beat the Bucks. The one interception yeah. Rodgers threw, it was holding. And the refs didn't call it which is why at the end of the game when they called holding on Kevin King, it was, such a, it was such a questionable call because, yes, it was a penalty, but they haven't been calling that all game. The Packers were this close to going to the Super Bowl with no play, no second playmaker 
but in reality, I think Alan Lazard stepped into that role really good this past season. I think he was great for them. Yeah, I, it's just the optics of it. You know, I, I agree with a lot of the points you make on playing the long game, and they're playing the long game wisely with the situation they've put themselves in. But it's just tough when you get to the conference championship and you fall just that bit short, and you think about what you could have made out of that pick rather than taking Jordan Love when you do have Rodgers. But obviously only time will tell what kind of pick it is. If Jordan Love comes in and lives up to that potential, then they'll look like geniuses because they found their predecessor and they took themselves from, rather than being a Super Bowl contender and then going into a total disaster rebuild, now you have a guy that you could lean on moving forward here. So obviously the future will determine what that pick ends up looking like, but it's just tough to swallow when you're that close and who knows how much a receiver like a T Higgins went only a couple picks after, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they have T Higgins lined up across from Devonte Adams, it helps with that firepower, but anybody could play that hypothetical game. I mean, for me, I think that this situation, Aaron Rodgers situation with the package is much different than other situations more, I'm more so comparing it to Tom Brady's situation with the Patriots. Brady lasted that long with the Patriots because he took pay cuts. Aaron Rodgers is not taking any pay cuts. <laughs> and no quarterback, if, you know, that's not Brady, they're not yeah, taking no, any pay yeah. cuts. Mahomes didn't take a pay cut. Deshaun Watson didn't take a pay cut. Brady's the only one that did it. And in the end, Brady was, he left because he was upset with the weapons that they surrounded Brady with, you know. He didn't have a Devontae Adams. Yeah. He had a Julian Edelman. His last year, he was working with Akeel Harry, Jacoby Myers, Philip Dorsett. We see how they did this year you without know, him. And now with Rodgers, you know, you can say he doesn't have much weapons, but the offensive line is still one of the top in the league. Aaron Jones is a really good running back. Devontae Adams is arguably the best receiver in the game. Alan Lazard's emerged, and Robert Tunyon was the Pro Bowl caliber tight end this season. So he did have the weapons. I think more so this game... It just came down to a lot of the little things. I mean, Tom Brady turned over the ball three times. And on each of those interceptions that Jairi Alexander got in the second half, they did not capitalize on not one of them. Yeah. They kept getting stopped. So in the last possession of the game, yes, you, I, I understand Matt LaFleur's play calling in that, last, in that last possession of the game. I think he should have went for it. But I understand the thinking of kicking a field goal. Because if you kick the field goal and you get a stop, you just need a touchdown and you win the game versus needing a touchdown, converting the two-point converting the two-point conversion and just tying the game. When you look at the game, like you mentioned, it's a bunch of little things that all added up. Obviously, the Scotty Miller touchdown before the half was, was a spine breaker. The fact that they even came back from that was impressive because most teams, that would have been the nail in the coffin. They would have packed it in and the season would have been over. And then, you know, St. Brown dropping the two-point conversion obviously hurts you because it's a totally different ball game if you have those extra two points on the board. The holding, the missed holding call on the interception. So it, I, I believe they had two lost fumbles. It's a bunch of different things that you could chalk it up to. But if I'm LaFleur, the way I'm looking at it at the end, I would rather live and die with Aaron Rodgers making a play on that fourth down than live and die with my defense getting a stop or not. And even if you don't get it there, he said that his thought process was you have the three timeouts and the two-minute warning essentially giving you four timeouts. You get that. You Even if the Buccaneers get the stop, you have your defense on the eight-yard line to make a stop. You still have your three timeouts. You still have the two-minute warning. The only difference is it's 
an eight-point game. It's still a one-touchdown game, though. So, But then, but then yeah. inevitably, that's still relying on your defense to get yeah. stopped. I, I just personally, I would trust Aaron Rodgers over, you know, there there are not many defenses in the league I would trust over Aaron Rodgers to make a play there. Yeah. You got to ride with your guy in that, that situation. That Bucks defense started rolling, though. Yeah, no so doubt. So Aaron Rodgers has the best estimated points added by a QB in a playoff history. He's above Tom Brady. Tom Brady's second on that list. And this season, third. I don't know. Uh, and this season, Aaron Rodgers... Threw for 4,299 yards, 48 touchdowns, and five interceptions. We'll see what his future is with the Packers, but we all have agreed here that we think he'll be on the Packers next season, no doubt about it. At least next season, I'm pretty confident. So the quarterback that Aaron Rodgers lost to was Tom Brady. (laughs) From the very start, I said Tom Brady was going to win. And I'm kind of mad because I bought a NFL. I bought it from the NFL store. I bought a Tom Brady jersey with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers NFC Championship hat. But I thought it was going to come in by today. Not going to lie. If they if they gave me the option to get one day shipping, I would have got it. I don't care what I had to How pay. How long is it going to take? I don't know. They're saying until it might not even come in for the Super Bowl. What's wrong with yeah? Yes, I, I don't know why their shipping is so delayed. It's ridiculous. But you're lucky. You're lucky, too. Because <laughs> I was going to come in dressed with my Tom Brady and Buccaneer gear. I told you from the very start that they were going to make the Super Bowl. We'll see if they win it. I guaranteed that they were going to win it. Yes, you did. We'll we see got one if more, that happens. One more. one more game. But listen, the question that we're going to answer here is that did Tom Brady prove that he was the main reason for the New England Patriots' success? And I'll start with this. Yes, he did prove <laughs> it. I mean, look, versus... Versus the Chiefs, he threw 280 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. I think two of those interceptions were not on him. One of them was just him throwing away when a blitzer was coming. The other one, Mike Evans, look, call me crazy, (laughs) but I think he could have caught that. I think he could have caught that. So I think two of them were not on his fault. His first year with the Bucs, they go 11-5 and after being on a however many year playoff drought. It was a 10-plus year playoff drought. And not only do they go 11-5, and but they go to the Super Bowl as the sixth seed in the NFC. They're not even one of the top seeds in the NFC. They're the sixth seed. All games are are road games. And now the Buccaneers are the first team ever to play in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. And when you look at the Patriots this year, they went 7-9. and nine. <laughs> Cam Newton, I think, threw 10 passing touchdowns this season. He might have thrown less. He was, he was the less. worst I think it was eight. It was like eight. He, he was the eight, worst quarterback. Eight passing game. touchdowns this By season. With a supporting cast similar to Tom Brady where he threw 24 touchdowns or 26, I believe, last season. Bill Belichick with Cleveland, with the Cleveland Browns, he coached there for five seasons. They had one winning season in 1994. They went 11-5. His first year with the Pats, they went 5-11 with Drew Bledsoe starting. Then the very next season, they go 11-5 and win the Super Bowl when Tom Brady starts. And from 2001 to 2019, the Patriots have made the playoffs every single year, except the year that Matt Castle started when Brady got injured. And they never lost less than nine games. Bill Belichick, people had, look, he is a great defensive <laughs> mastermind. But in terms of trying to give him credit for the offensive side of the football with Tom Brady, that's ridiculous. Tom Brady is a film junkie. He was so good, and it looked so easy for him because he's so well-prepared and through, he only had Randy Moss for three seasons. He didn't have elite, an elite receiver for his entire career like 
Are Joe we, Montana we, did with we, Jerry Rice. Are we and, counting Gronk as a receiver though? I won't count him. Okay. I, I guess I'll count him. I guess I'll count him because Gronk is amazing. Joe Montana had T.O. and Jerry Rice. Not for his old career, Jerry Rice mostly, but not T.O. And when you look at the guys that Tom Brady has elevated, like I looked at the list. <laughs> He's going the crazy. receivers that he threw the most touchdowns to were Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, mm. and guess who's third? I don't want to It's not Randy Can you give Moss. me like a time frame? Was it... It's not ready. He's on the Patriots right now. Jimmy Graham? No. No. James White, who's a running running. guy. (laughs) Wow. And that's who he was working with. The Pats in 2019 went 12-4, and Brady was throwing to Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, Jacoby Myers, an undrafted rookie. Mohamed Sanu came on late, and everybody thought that was a (laughs) big-time pickup. Matt Lacoste. Benjamin Watson and Nikhil Harry, this receiving core was awful, and they still went 12-4. and four. That was the, uh, Any, A-B year? It was supposed to be the A-B year? Yes. So no doubt about it, Brady proved this season that he has more to do with the success of the Patriots than Bill Belichick. I'm not taking anything away from Bill Belichick, but it makes it a whole lot easier to win games when you have the greatest quarterback of all time at dissecting defenses on your team. I mean, you look at in the week after the week 13 bye this season for the Bucs, the Bucs went undefeated. Mm. And Tom Brady's the highest graded quarterback in the NFL at 43 years old. <laughs> so, yes, so he is I the did. undisputed greatest of all time. And he proved this year that Belichick needs Brady more than Brady needs Belichick. Well, I mean, you said everything that needed to be said. I mean, even not even just using last year, if you just look at the whole totality of Tom Brady's career, everything has been him. Everybody leaves. Receivers leaves. Tight ends leave. Defensive left. But the one guy who stays is Tom Brady. And as long as you got him, I think the Patriots are always going to be okay. And I think people do take away from the fact that they love to say that, oh, Bill Belichick was the reason Tom Brady's success. And I kind of look at Tom Brady, like, relating this to basketball and the Tim Duncan test. You know, them two walk into franchises and they instantly become one of the best franchises in the league, title after title. Regardless of who comes in, those two guys stay. And then you're always going to have a chance to win. So I think last year just proved it that no matter where Tom Brady goes, they're always going to be a contender. And now he's on the verge of winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I'll say I'll start by saying I think it was a perfect marriage. Like if if they didn't have each other, I question if either of them would have had as great of a career as they or as great of a dynastic run as they had because. It's very, very difficult to sustain that success for as long as they did. You look at the Chiefs right now. They've been doing this for three years, starting with the year they lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And it almost feels like you have this thought of when are they going to start to fall apart? When are the wheels going to fall off? Because teams never keep this success at this high of a level over such a long period. So for them to do that, I feel like it was just a perfect marriage Belichick handled that defense and had that unit running at an elite level, but he never would have had, clearly, as this season showed, never would have had that success with Tom Brady, without Tom Brady at quarterback, I should say. And you look at what Tom Brady did last year. He threw for 4,000 yards with that ragtag bunch of receivers. You saw what they did this year. So I think you said at one point Tom Brady was the greatest quarterback ever at reading defenses. You could have just stopped at greatest quarterback ever because that's what he did. That's what he is. Nobody should argue with it. Regardless of what happens next 
next week, two weeks from now, whenever they play the Super Bowl, he is the greatest quarterback of all time. Anybody who doesn't think so, I, I, I don't know how you could argue for anybody else. And, and we're not talking most talented quarterback. I'm saying the greatest quarterback and ever. And most accomplished quarterback ever. Yeah, By far is Tom Brady. You know, he and he. It's funny because, I, yeah, I used to throw shade on him. Drew Brees is better than him and all that. It was, you know, a little you said fun. said this past year. Yeah, it was a little fun game between me and Joel, but... I think he proved that the last Super Bowl when he played the Rams. I think that was already the kicker in. He was the greatest quarterback at that moment. I think this is just adding on. It's the same thing we say with LeBron. You know, he's just adding on to an already masterful career he's already having. I think Tom Brady is probably the greatest player that football has ever seen. Something that's been bothering me after Tom Brady won was social media. I think <laughs> I think I follow way too many controversial people on Twitter and not even controversial because their opinions are liked and retweeted a lot. So it's actually popular opinions, I guess, like on a very small minority, but uh, there it's opinions of like, there was this guy that tweeted that how come Tom Brady gets celebrated, but LeBron gets hated. Oh, I remember. And I just looked at that tweet and I answered back to it because it got me pretty upset because I'm like, (laughs) what? Because I feel like, especially nowadays in sports, everybody likes to make something about color, right? And I some things, yes, they do have a lot of validity, validity to them. But when you try to make everything about it, I think it gets pretty annoying. Tom Brady was hated. He still is yeah. hated. You know, JC, who used to be on a podcast, said, he's I a Jets him. fan. He said, I hate him. He's a Jets fan. He said, <laughs> I, I hate him, him but I respect him. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people still hate Tom Brady. And before this season, we're calling him a system quarterback. For his entire career. He's been called that his entire career. And the difference between the love that Tom Brady gets and I think the hate that LeBron gets is that Tom Brady, he doesn't have the fans that LeBron has or I can say stands that LeBron has. And football culture is different than basketball culture. And two, in football, Brady is the undisputed GOAT. Yeah, there's in, nobody in basketball. LeBron is not the undisputed goat, but LeBron fans and stands like to make it sound like he is, mm-hmm. and that's what gets people pissed off, and that's what gets people to hate LeBron more or throw more shade at him. You don't see, I, I don't see Tom Brady stands. I don't. Ba- basketball culture has turned into a culture of stands. This is NBA Twitter is more of a microcosm of like what you're yes. saying with the NBA culture, but when you look at Tom Brady, like you said, he has the accomplishments and the achievement, or I should say the winning accomplishments of Michael Jordan, but he also has the statistical greatness of LeBron James. So it's not like there's one guy who's been much like far and away better statistically, or, you know, even that gap that LeBron and Michael Jordan have in certain stats. And, you know, one has the winning, he has it all. He's the total package. He is under, I feel like undisputed LeBron, the greatest player. LeBron stands time. remind me of Aaron Rodgers stands. And I say that because Aaron Rodgers stands love to say, oh, well, Tom Brady had this, Tom Brady had that. Aaron Rodgers didn't have this. If you put Aaron Rodgers here, then he would do the same thing as Tom Brady did. Like he, they remind me of that in a sense of they hate that Tom Brady has accomplished so much. You know, what's the thing though? And, I don't think stand culture is as big as an, is as big in the NFL as it is in the Agreed. NBA. Oh no! And yeah. the NBA stand culture is ridiculous. I mean, West. There was a point people were arguing Westbrook is better than Curry. Harden is the greatest scorer of all time. Like I joke around about that stuff. I'm not serious. <laughs> there are there are people that genuinely that ha- that genuinely have a 
fan page of those players and tweet out these yeah. statistics all day players. long and bash other players. In football, football culture is not like that because yeah. the game, I think, especially when you're more comparing respected. football and basketball, the game is much more respected in terms of football because the fans, a lot of the fans understand the complexity of it. Basketball is very complex, but fans like to view it as Twitter very fans. simplistic. Yeah. Casual fans. And, and, and it's such a, like, it's much easier to look at basketball and just put everything on one player, whereas football, it's it's much more of a, you know, you could see it as much more of a team effort than basketball, even though both sports are obviously not won or lost by one guy. Like, that's the viewpoint more in basketball. And you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Even Aaron Rodgers, as much as I love him, I respect the heck out of him, and I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks ever, he still doesn't have the winning that LeBron has. LeBron still has four NBA championships. He's been to the finals, I think, ten times now. Aaron Rodgers, all things considered, has not been very good, you know, winning-wise in the playoffs. And that's not meant to disrespect him, but when you measure up his resume to Tom Brady, he doesn't even have the the winning leg to stand on that LeBron does that is questioned in the NBA argument. So, like, when it comes to Tom Brady, he is just head and shoulders. And, and as a Jet fan... I want to hate him because he made <laughs> our our division miserable for I so many Tom years. Brady. But I think, I think, it's impossible not to respect him if you, you know, understand. The thing the is, game. I'm I'm a Jets fan and I love Tom Brady. And the reason why I I feel that way and why a lot of people may be watching this and be like, "What? That makes no sense." Is because my dad said this. He told me this. It was like a few years ago, and I actually agree with this. He said, "How can you hate Tom Brady because your team hasn't put a team or assembled a team to compete with their team? The Jets." We only had really one real rivalry game with the Patriots or time of rivalry, which was in 2010, 2009. Mm-hmm. Every other year, the Patriots have dominated. I'm not going to hate Tom Brady because my team did not assemble a good enough team to compete with theirs. You know, they they were competing every year because they made the right moves. I'm not going to not love Tom Brady because my team kept messing up. You know, yeah, and, and the thing about those guys, like you talked about LeBron James before, Tom Brady. When you're at the top of your game, you will always be hated. Like people will always hate on you because people just hate on greatness. It's the way it I goes. Think, think if you're not getting hated, you're not doing something right because whenever you are great, you are hated. I think it's just more of the fans though. The fans make it as if if you don't agree with like like for example, if me and Joel feel like two different people are the greatest, my fan base is going to feel like we need to bash the guy he thinks is the greatest to, to make, make it look, look like better. yeah, to make yeah. it and that's that's not cool. And that's what that's what I think stand culture is. And that's why I feel like when they try to make it about color, especially with the Tom Brady and LeBron thing, and then they try to make it about I saw some some people tweet about how LeBron got, you know, criticized when he attended his son's basketball game and Tom Brady after the game goes up to hug his child and he's like, Oh, Tom Brady's not getting criticized for hugging his child, but LeBron got criticized <laughs> for attending a game. Like, bro, you're thinking way too deep into it. It's not that serious. Like, even if you think that LeBron unfairly got criticized for whatever he Has did, why would you then try to make people go and criticize Tom Brady for something when you think it shouldn't be done one way or the other? Like, to me, it makes no sense. And I think that stand culture as a whole. And I don't know. I think too many people nowadays, especially in sports, like to make things about color. And like I said, a lot of times there's a lot of validity to it, like in terms of the coaching, the coaches and Eric B enemy not getting hired and stuff. There's a lot of validity to that. But most of the time, like it's just a bunch of 
no arguments, sense. like senseless arguments that have no backbone. They only have feeling into it. And that's what I disagree with. <laughs> so the next topic we're going to talk about is the Buffalo Bills. First of all, Bills fans, if you're watching or listening, congratulations on, a, on an amazing season. The Bills went 13-3. and three. It's not a bad thing to lose to the Chiefs. They lost 24-38. No. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch the game. I watched, like, very little of the game because I went to sleep. Like, I kept falling asleep. I work on Sunday, so I watched the Tampa game and the Saints game. Mm-hmm. I was tuned in. But for the Bills game, I just fell asleep. Like, I, I, kept, I couldn't stay awake. But this topic is not going to be about recapping the game because I think a lot of Bills fans are over the game. They want to talk about something else. So we're going to talk about what do you think, what you think their missing piece is. What do they need to become that Super Bowl team and inevitably win the Super Bowl? I think, you know, with the rise of Josh Allen, it was it was a beautiful thing to see. You know, shout out to the Bills for having an amazing season. I don't think it's any fault to losing an AFC championship game, regardless of who you play. But I think what they ultimately need is a running game. I think they need a consistent running game to truly be a dominant force in this league. I think you already have the quarterback you need. You already have that number one wide receiver. I think a consistent running game would take some of the pressure off Josh Allen because when you play the Bills, you know what they're going to do. They're going to throw the ball as much as they can. They're going to put the, they're going to put their team in Josh Allen's and they're going to get him to win. But I think having a running game is definitely going to get that dynamic two-way punch and where you can have a three-headed jack, dragon and a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a running game. <laughs> Other than that, though, I think the defense can get a little better, but they definitely have the talent on defense to be a top 10 defense in the league. They have a top five quarterback, in, in my opinion, in this league. He's only going to get better. He's 24. Stephon Diggs is still young. He's going to get better. You get another receiver out there. I know Beasley and John Brown are getting older in their 30s, so you just get another receiver out there. But ultimately, I think a run game is definitely what they should prioritize this offseason. Yeah, I think one of the first things you have to look at this season, my biggest concern for their offseason – Three of their starting offensive linemen are set to hit free agency this offseason, so that is obviously a big concern. You got to whether you're going to bring those guys back. I thought that offensive line was pretty solid this year, so whether you're going to bring those guys back or try and fill those holes in free agency, that has got to be the first and foremost concern. Another thing I would look at this season: a Josh Allen extension potentially, so it's not looming over this entire season. You know how those things can go if you let them play out during the year. That boy need it. So, and he more than earned it this season with his play. Um, and then, like Riff said, running back was a big problem for them this past year. I wouldn't say it was a problem, but Singletary and Moss didn't really perform. I mean, you could consider going back with the same unit next year, and I know r- the running game wasn't their main focus. They were so great with the pass that they didn't really focus on the run, but obviously bringing in a better running back – would help out a lot and take some of the slack off of Josh Allen. And then I know at wide receiver, they could save some money by cutting John Brown, who's getting older, and maybe look into getting a better second option alongside Stephon Diggs. They had a great core this year. And they also have some younger options. I know Gabe Davis was really good, and McKenzie stepped up in in his small role. So whatever they're going to do at wide receiver, I just feel like they got to start to look at that now because – John Brown and Cole Beasley are getting older, so we got to figure out what they're going to do with those options. Their defense, I think, is solid. I think they have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. McDermott has done a great job there, and I think they're trending up. I I don't see them taking a step back next year. I I see them being right at the same level, if not better, if they handle this offseason correctly. 
So for me, I think, Riv, you said it right. They need a running game. They need a better running game. And I also think that they need an edge rusher. I think even more important than a running game because we know the Bills are one-dimensional on offense. They're going to pass the ball. But that's not always a bad thing. We see the Chiefs, they're a, really, they're a one-dimensional yeah. team too, and they're in the Super Bowl. So as long as you can build or get more weapons around Josh Allen and have an elite defense, then you can make the Super Bowl and, and win it. I think they need an edge rusher, and they have $2 million in cap space this free agency. So they don't have a lot of money to play with unless they make those type of cuts. Three free agents, you mentioned them, John Feliciano, Daryl Williams and Brian Winters. Daryl Williams was tremendous for them. I'd probably let go of Brian Winters and keep John Feliciano. Um, they were 20th in rushing in the regular season. They were 11th in rushing in the regular season, in the playoffs, I mean. And Devin Singletary, with 687 yards, playing all 16 games, led their team in rushing. 687 yards. That's Josh great. Allen threw for 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. We knew the leap that he made. Oh boy, Josh. These are their free agents outside of those offensive linemen. Matt Milano, they have to bring him back. Matt Milano is, is a great player. He makes their defense go. They have to bring him back. Levi Wallace, on the fence about him, but I think they should bring him back. Josh Norman, they probably let him go. Yeah. Tyler Croft and Trent Murphy – I let go of Tyler Croft. If I can get a better edge rusher, I would let go of Trent Murphy too. These are the options I see for them in free agency that they could possibly target. Shaq Barrett from the Bucks. The Bucks have a lot of free agents. Levante David is a free agent. Shaq Barrett. And I think they have some on the all- Chris, Chris Godwin. Godwin. So they have to be huge. So they that have a lot scary. of they have a lot of the Bucks have a lot of free agents. Shaq Barrett might be out the door. So Shaq Barrett, Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. If you want to believe in his one-year wonder, kind of. That's a good one. You know, you can possibly bring Trey Hendrickson in at tight end. And this the, guy, the Saints are also in a terrible yes. money situation, too. At tight well, end, at tight end, Hunter Henry's a free agent. Oh, wow. Although he might command a lot of money, so I wouldn't pay him. Isn't Gronk a free agent? Um, he probably is, but I don't. I don't he's, he's not going to play. He's not going to play anywhere that's not with Tom Brady. <laughs> He'll retire before he <laughs> yeah. plays with another quarterback. And now another tight end option who I think would be cheaper, but is is better. He's more versatile, and you can line him up in different formations. Is Gerald Everett from the Rams? I really like Gerald Everett's game, and I think in a pass heavy offense he can really succeed. They're probably going to let him walk with Higby. Mm-hmm. And Trey Burton too is a free agent. Trey Burton and Moali Cox for the Colts are free agents. So I don't know if the Colts bring both of them back. They probably bring one. Trey Burton might be out there. And then at running back, obviously the hot name is Aaron Jones. But a running back that I think a lot of people are sleeping on that I think would be a huge pickup is Mike Davis from the Panthers. This past season, he was very good. And you don't the Bills don't need a 1,000-yard rusher. They just need a guy who can do a little bit of everything. I think Mike Davis is that Swiss Army knife, and he gives them more versatility. I think he's a stronger runner than Devin Singletary. What about uh, Chris Carson? They didn't, Seahawks didn't pay him either. Um, I don't know, but I wouldn't really trust Chris Carson. For me, it's the Bills either go cheap on a running back in free agency or they try to draft Najee Harris. Mm. That's yeah. the two Ooh. things for me. Wow. But I think the guys they need to target in free agency are edge rushers. So Shaq Bear or Trey Hendrickson, one of those guys the Bills have to target because they need an edge rusher. That's their weakness right now. If they could get one of those guys at edge rusher, that makes that defense scary. 
You that think, would make them one of the top you think, defenses. Because you talked about um, the Chiefs, you know, building an elite offense for Pat Mahomes to just run amok with. You see Tyreek Hill and Travis. You think getting Chris Godwin would be in – at the top of their list, just building off that elite offense? I don't think the Bills have enough cap space to sign a Chris Godwin. I, I think the Bills will make room money-wise to sign, like, one star name free agent. And I think if they're signing one star free agent, it should not be at wide receiver. They have it should already. be at edge rusher or you get another cornerback to line up with Tredavious yeah. White. That's it. I think the... um. Desmond King's a free agent. Jason Ferrer. J.C. Jackson might be, too. Juan Williams. So there's a lot of guys who are free agents at the cornerback position. But like I said, I'd go Shaq Barrett or Trey Hendrickson. Those are my two options. And you said it right. The Bills have Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Gabe Davis is a, is a really up-and-coming emerging receiver. Right now, especially since the Bills are going to start paying Josh Allen big money, you kind of have to hit on the draft. And I think this draft has running backs and they have receivers. This draft is very low on edge rushers. Mm. And because of that, you kind of have to sign an edge rusher in free agency to maximize that position. Especially when there's options out there like Barrett and Hedrickson. Mm -hmm. Barrett would be dope. So, yeah, what do you think, though? Do you think that the Bills, if they make one of these huge splash moves, they can make the Super Bowl or or win it next season? It's it's hard to say because... Some that one team, the Chiefs, are always going to be at the forefront. And is always going to be at the top of the late. But I think they do with the emergence of Josh Allen. You now have the chance to definitely say, okay, we have a chance to make the Super Bowl. I think with this game, you just saw a lot of a lot of blitzing. I think they just wasn't prepared as much as they wanted to be. And I think that lack of running game really put a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. But I think, like you said, if they hit on free agency, and if they hit in the draft, I think they can definitely make a run at the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I would say lack of experience, too. You're talking about a Chiefs team that's been here. They won the Super Bowl last year. They were in the AFC Championship two years ago, so like they've been through this. This is not their first time, and the Bills, obviously, on this huge playoff drought. Josh Allen, I was impressed with Josh Allen in these playoffs compared to last year. You could see how much he grew as a quarterback just from the decisions that he was making against the Texans last year in the playoffs. So you could see the growth, but now another year of that experience, going to the AFC Championship game, and even this year, it was not a blowout by any stretch. You know, I thought the Chiefs had a, a good handle on it the entire way, but all things considered, you got to be happy with the outcome if you're a Bills fan. And now this offseason, they could make up some money to scratch some pennies together to spend on one big-time free agent. Say they get that edge rusher and they hit on a, a running back or and or a wide receiver in the draft. Yes, if anybody could beat the Chiefs next year, the Bills will be at the top of that very short list. So just some notable names at the running back position in this draft. Stacked. Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Chuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma State, Javante Williams out of North Carolina. I think those are some pretty good names. So I think if you can draft, they can draft this running back in the second or third round and hit on that running back. They drafted Zach Moss last year. He probably breaks out next season. We don't know yet. But, I mean, they got to get that position fixed and have more balance to the offense. They can still be a pass-heavy offense, but they just have to have that running back position solidified just in case the pass isn't going and they need to change up their game plan. And the team that beat the Buffalo Bills were the Kansas City Chiefs. And 
at this point, after the Chiefs are going to their second straight Super Bowl and they won one last year, they might two-peat th- this season. Are we taking the Kansas City Chiefs for granted right now? Because I feel like they've they've been great for three years now. Even before then, with Alex Smith, they were always trending upwards and they were always a really good to great team. And I feel like we're kind of taking this run for granted, especially with Patrick Mahomes. We haven't even talked about them much on this podcast because talking about how great they are is redundant. And what else can you say about the Chiefs besides that they're great? So do you think that we're starting to take them for granted? I just think people are like using this run to remind us of the Golden State run. It was Steph Curry and then adding on Katie. I think this is kind of like that in the sense where they're just dominating the league in the span of three seasons. I mean, two Super Bowl runs and back-to-back years. You know, we haven't seen that since Tom Brady. And I think this team right now, we should definitely be sitting here and being appreciative of what they're doing because it's not going to happen a lot. Like like we said, we've only seen it with Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes is a once-in-a-generation talent. He's special, so we're not going to see this. And we've seen this team with Alex Smith. They were a good team. They were going to make the playoffs. They were going to put up a fight, but they weren't the Super Bowl team. So I think this is a team that we should definitely be admiring. You know, Because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about how Mahomes wouldn't be nothing without his weapons. And Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, oh, you said Deshaun Watson. With, yeah, I, I remember that one. Yeah, that they ridiculous. just like they're they're taking this team for granted, and I I don't like that. I think we should just be appreciative of what they're doing and respect the fact that they're they've been this great for this long. Because a lot of teams flop after one year. You look, you look at my Eagles. We haven't been to the Super Bowl. We haven't been that close. You look at the Falcons. They flopped after that Super Bowl run. So it's hard to maintain that type of success. Yeah. How many teams sell out for a championship run or a stretch of years of a championship run? and then just burn out. And maybe the Chiefs do become that, but I do not see that happening anytime soon because you look at what they've built, like that roster is stacked. And I said it during the MVP conversation when we were talking earlier in the year, it it feels like Patrick Mahomes has voter fatigue already, and he's only really been doing this for two years now. And people are just kind of writing it off as, oh, it's just Patrick Mahomes doing what Patrick, Patrick Mahomes does. So it's kind of crazy, like, they have not been, it's only been three years of them being really great, and we're already starting to get into that conversation of, oh, well, it's the Chiefs doing what the Chiefs do. And you look at, if they win this championship this season, Patrick Mahomes will have won two rings before Tom Brady even got his first. Mm. Obviously, you never know how the future is going to play out, how they deal with their money situation. Already, Wait, what do wins. you mean, two rings before he Brady will be his... younger when he gets his second championship ring than Tom Brady was when he got his first well, championship ring. No disrespect, ring. Joel. No, no, it's no, not meant as disrespect, no, 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 but I'm just saying. Like, no, I was trying to just see how it made sense because Brady won his first ring his second year in the NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking age-wise. I'm yeah, talking age-wise. Age. So just speaking age, like he will have two rings before the age that Tom Brady won his first. You're talking GOAT debate. Like you got to start to think uh, the kind of career path that Patrick Mahomes is on here. I don't want to you know, get too far ahead of myself, but we are seriously watching an incredible run that will be remembered for a long, long time. Look, everybody knows I love Tom Brady, and (laughs) I think he's the most accomplished quarterback ever. He is the GOAT. But I said it. I said this on Twitter last season before they even won the Super Bowl. I said Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback that I've ever seen. You said he's the most talented. No, I said he's the greatest quarterback I've he's ever really? seen, yes. And a lot of people push back, oh, Peyton Manning, all this, all that. 
when I'm talking about the greatest quarterback I've ever seen, I'm talking about the best guy I've seen play the position. I'm not don't don't come at me with MVPs, <laughs> accolades, Pro Bowls, nothing. The guy with my eyes that I've seen is the best is Patrick Mahomes. And this season, no quarterback comes close. In the in the league right now, as great as Josh Allen is, he's not Mahomes. Deshaun yeah. Watson is not Mahomes. People like Okay, when Stephen A. Smith said that comment about Mahomes having a bunch of weapons, that's true. He has a lot of weapons. But the comment itself is wrong because last year, weren't the Chiefs down 24 to nothing on the Texans? Mm -hmm. And who orchestrated the comeback? Mahomes, who made a great pass in the Super Bowl. When the the Chiefs looked like they were going to lose, it was like third third and long, long. And he made a pass to Tyreek Hill. They completed it. Like, he has done remarkable things in just a short span of time. And yes, his weapons are great, but that doesn't diminish what Patrick Mahomes does on the field versus the Titans in the playoffs last year, who broke a bunch of tackles to get into the end zone and showed his toughness. It was Patrick Mahomes. It's not like he's sitting back throwing screens and throwing bubble screens or screen passes or short RPO passes who are you and, and, letting his, and letting his receivers do all the work. <laughs> I'm just saying that... The Patrick Mahomes disrespect because he has a ton of weapons is pretty dumb to me. 2018, the first year as a starter, they went 12-4, and four, the Chiefs did, and they lost in the AFC Championship to the Pats. They were one play away from winning that game. D. Ford went offsides. In that year, Mahomes threw 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. His first year as a starter. 2019, they went 12-4 and four again. They won the Super Bowl against the 49ers. And this year, they went 14-2 and two, and they might win their second Super Bowl in a row. And this is the first Super Bowl ever where the two the two quarterbacks that have won the Super Bowl the two years prior are facing each other. Mm. In 2018, it was Brady. In 2019, it was Mahomes. In 2020, it's Brady versus Mahomes. So I think that's pretty cool. Since entering the league, Mahomes has thrown 114 touchdowns to 24 interceptions, 108.7 quarterback rating. And in the playoffs, he has thrown 17 touchdowns and two interceptions and is 6-1, and one. and he has the highest passing grade since 2018. His greatness is getting taken for granted, and I know I've been rambling about Mahomes, but also I want to give a lot of credit to Andy Reid yeah. because without him, this wouldn't be possible because he's an offensive mastermind. And, um, you know, I, I think Andy Reed. we are taking them for granted because nobody talks about them week in, week by week. I'm, you know, subbing us too because yeah. we barely talk about them. But nobody really talks about the Chiefs much because – what else can you say besides that they're great? Yeah, and, and Andy Reid kind of gotten written off after Philadelphia, if I remember correctly. He was kind of thrown to the scrap heap, and people didn't pe- people consider him a failure because he didn't have that much success in the playoffs. But look at what he's done with the Chiefs. And you talk about Mahomes. I picked against the Chiefs this past weekend because we I did. saw Patrick Mahomes struggle to get off the field seven days before having to play in the AFC Championship. And he came out after not even practicing all week and looked like nothing ever happened. I texted you guys during the game, and I I believe I said something along the lines of, he has to be made in a lab. He's not from this planet. It's unbelievable the things he does, and he just makes it look so easy. He had that shovel touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey, which he's done that at least 15 times over the past two years. And it's just like, like watching somebody play backyard football the way he makes it look so easy, makes it look like he's having so much fun with it. He's never under pressure. He's never in doubt of his ability. 
He's an incredible leader. You saw the clip of him going up to Miko Harbin on the sideline after his big fumble on the punt and telling him, you're going to make a play. This game's far from over. You're going to make a big play. And Miko Harbin makes two huge plays. He's the whole package. He's a great leader. He's tough. He's always calm, and he has the situation under control. He's physically gifted like no quarterback we've ever seen, running the ball, throwing the ball. like There is nothing he doesn't do. And we need to start appreciating that more. You know, give him his roses while he's still here rather than waiting for him to be gone and saying, I wish we would have appreciated it more when we were watching it. I think it's just crazy because it was at one point where if Alex Smith didn't get hurt, we wouldn't have seen Mahomes. Like, he would have been waiting on that bench, still waiting to see. Like, Wait, what are you talking about? When Alex Smith got hurt. We would have saw, we would have, Alex Smith didn't get hurt with KC. So how did, how did Mahomes start a play after somebody got hurt? Nah, that, they're talking about. 49ers when Alex Smith got hurt, yeah. we saw Kaepernick. Oh, I'm yeah. yeah, Alex Smith got traded the year oh, after he, got, he had okay, an MVP that's what it was. season. He got traded. Okay, 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 yeah. I mean, they traded him because Mahomes was going crazy in training camp. They knew what they had in him already. And when you say he's a whole package, I'd go and say he's a whole packet. You know, all pun intended towards him and his affiliation with Hans Ketchup. I love Ketchup. So he's the whole packet. <laughs> I think yes. I I know certainly for sure. I'm appreciating Yo, Patrick Mahomes. You gotta send that into Heinz yeah. because that that is a whole ad campaign right there that Look, you just gave away for free. I'd say I'd say that he. I'm appreciating Patrick Mahomes. If it wasn't for last year, I rooted for them, and this year, if it wasn't for the Bucks and my love for Brady and what they're doing this year, because for everybody watching, like I've been picking the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. In August, yeah, you know, like really before in August, before AD, or, or, I might have been picking them in June. I mean, I picked them when when they didn't get Tom Brady. I picked them to make the playoffs. Once they got Tom Brady, I said they're winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I've been on that bandwagon. You have to pick for, the Bucks for forever. So I'm gonna no, go with them. He definitely was one of the few that said it earlier. But remember. if it wasn't for that, then I'd be rooting for Kansas City to win the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes to win the second ring, like no doubt about it. And if the Chiefs lose or win, I'm going to be happy with the result. If they win, I'll be happy because I love Patrick Mahomes. He's one of my favorite players. You know, I, money's... I see what you're doing mo- here. Money, money's, money's a little... <laughs> okay. You know, we're college students, so money's a little tight right now, so I can only buy one jersey. I decided to go with Tom Brady. <laughs> but if I had the money to buy another jersey, it would have been Patrick Mahomes with the Super Bowl patch. Yeah, I... Uh, even looking back, like the the reasoning for me picking the Bills last week was very sound. I didn't know what he was going to be health wise, and I'm still, in hindsight, ashamed of myself for picking against the Chiefs because all season long in the power rankings, I had the Chiefs at one. I did not waver on it. I said since they won the Super Bowl last year, I don't care how they look this year, like uh, how many games they lose, when they lost. I said it doesn't matter. They are still the most dominant team in the league. They have been all season, and. Uh, I don't know. I just don't see how they're going to fall off. It's going to be tough money wise. It's, it's going to start. Space up. It's going to. It's going to start to get tough with that Mahomes contract. Them. But for me, I mean, look, this is two things that I have to take away from what you just said. One is that whenever Jack picks a team to win or lose, just make get ready for yeah. that team to lose. No, I, am, I am the jinx. I am the jinx in the playoffs <laughs> here. When, but also what I'm going to say is this: I picked the Bills. Because I saw the four falls of Buffalo, and I wanted them to have a moment. That, and I also thought that if the Bucks faced the Bills in the Super Bowl, I'll pick the Bucks in that easy. With the Chiefs, I was like, ah, oh, damn. 
Like, <laughs> Chiefs probably going to win that one. So you're telling me you based all your answers off the Bucks? Now, <laughs> I based all my I based my answer in picking the Bills off of me wanting to see kind of like a storybook type of tale being told. Mm. And because I think the Bills would have been a much easier matchup for the Bucks if they were to <laughs> face them. Interesting. Well, my regular season picks were really not that bad. I'd had to go back and find the actual record, but the regular season I was not terrible. My playoff picks have just—I uh, feel like I'm a flop. jinx. Boy, I feel like I'm a jinx. And like the losses aren't even bad losses. It's just like every team that I pick just collapses right at the end. I think in the playoffs I only had one upset. I picked the Rams. I think I'm. I think I'm the jinx. So maybe I should pick against the against the Chiefs. And every week, I think a uh, wild card weekend. I went four and two, divisional round. I went three and one, and this championship round, I went one and one. So I picked the Bills. I think I did something like that. I don't know. I don't remember. So I was. I was. You I know, know I was we all picked the Browns. No, we all picked the Steelers to beat the Browns. I remember that yeah. one. Yeah, we flopped miserably on that one. So now we're going to go on to our next topic. Six teams have found their new head coach, and the one team when the Texans have not found their new head coach, and I don't know when they're going to find it. I say the most possible candidate for them is Leslie Frazier. I'm going to be honest. Any coach that is that want that wants a head coaching job should not go to the Texans because yeah. they're probably going to fail. Um, spe- I'm just I, being honest. The report now is that no matter who they hire, Deshaun Watson wants out. So Yes. So six new teams got a head coach in this segment. We're going to be grading each one of those head coaching hires. So first co- coach off the board, Urban Meyer for the Jaguars. Riv, what's your grade for them? Um, I give him a B plus. I think this is a guy who can definitely change the culture. Coming in with some young talent, draft capital, and a lot of cap in free agency. So I think he's going to bring some balance to this organization. I This is tough for me because I was actually – high on all these hires and I try I'm trying not to sound too positive so I wanted to be minus just because I'm a little skeptical making the leap to college making the leap from college I've always been a little skeptical of guys making the leap and, and we'll see how that plays out but I still do think in the end it's going to end up being a good hire he's such a good offensive mind he's succeeded everywhere he's been so overall I think it's going to be a good pick but I, I'm cautiously optimistic for it Urban Myers to the Jaguars was an A plus hiring. I had a feeling you they were are that. going to knock this out of the park. They have all the cap space, all the draft capital, and not to mention Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be the number one undisputed pick. It's like it's like Triple H getting drafted to Raw. <laughs> and no, it's going to be great. Listen, the Jaguars are going to be great because Urban Myers there and his staff is coming together really nicely. Daryl Bevel, who was a Lions. Offensive coordinator for the past two seasons. The rankings don't show he did a good job, but I'm telling you, he's a really good and creative play caller. He's going to be good for the Jaguars. I like the coaching staff that he's assembling, and because of that, I think this is an A-plus hire. Next coach coach off this list, Robert Sala with the New York Jets. I'm going to start with you, Jack. <laughs> I give it an A. I think they got the, the coveted prize possession out of the coaching search this year. I like how they went out. They got their guy early. They didn't wait for anybody else to make decisions before they did. They needed leadership, accountability, somebody who could come in and quote-unquote change the culture, and Robert Sala is thought of as the guy who's going to do that. You know, Everybody wanted him, and luckily – Jets got him. Trying not to be biased, but I really do think it was just a good hire. And I 
you know, I would have said this for anybody that hired him. I thought he was just like the candidate. I mean, bearing any Jets bad history and what you guys have been through, I think the signing was an A. I think you got a guy who's going to be a leader, who's going to change the culture, and who's going to be a man of the people. Just, but this is just disregarding what you, you know what your GM has done. But the signing in general of your coach, I think, is an A. So for me, before I start and give my grade. <laughs> I was arguing with Jack the other night about yeah. this about this coach annoying. and about the Jets' history and all that. Even though I won the argument, Jack liked <laughs> to really be hesitant about it. But listen, I'll say this. Robert Sala was, for me, was a B-plus hire. I'm going to give him a B-plus because I think the handwriting on this might be a little sloppy, but the, but the notes and the answers are right. That's what I'm going to say about this one. That's why I'm giving him a B-plus. I think he's going to be a culture changer for the Jets. I think... Oldbridge, our DC, is a really good DC. He did a tremendous job with the Falcons when he took over the play calling duties. I'm not sure what I'm getting out of Mike LaFleur. And I like Greg Knapp, the quarterback coach, even though he doesn't have a history of developing a young quarterback. I I kind of trust his coaching staff. I like Robert Sala's energy and passion as a coach. I think he will change the culture. But for me, it's still a wait and see. But based off the candidates that were out there and what the Jets need, I think this was a perfect fit. So I'm giving it a B plus. Next coach, Brandon Staley from the Los Angeles Chargers. I'll start out and I'll say that this is a B for me. This is a B because I see the coaching staff that he's assembling. Joe Lombardi is their new OC. And I'm very hesitant on the move. He's their new OC because he coached Brandon, he coached Brandon Staley at Mercyhurst College when he played quarterback there. So there was a connection there. I thought that Shane Steichen should have remained the OC. Pep Hamilton is getting a lot of OC offers, so he's mostly he's most likely out. The Chargers are cleaning house, and I don't know if I like this staff, but I do think Brandon Staley's a great defensive mind, and I'm optimistic it will work out. But some of the hirings, especially Joe Lombardi as OC, are questionable for me, so I'm giving this a B. Yeah, I, I'm also giving it a B. I like the like. I think they went in the right direction going defensive coordinator, and I've spoken about that in the past. But Brandon Staley gives me a little bit of pause in Los Angeles. He did a great job, but that defense was also loaded. Like there was a lot of talent there. It's not like you know he was making wine out of water. So it's quite it's remains to be seen what he can do with this group. I think there's a lot of talent on that Chargers defense, and it remains to be seen what he is as a leader because we've never really seen him in that leadership role, and he's not that Robert Sala outgoing, energetic-type head coach. And I, I a point that you mentioned, Pep Hamilton, I think that would be a huge loss for them if they can't retain him. I thought that it would have made sense to slide him in at the OC spot, so if they lose him, that would be a big loss. But I'm going to give it a B because I do think they went in the right direction, defense coordinates. Mostly same thing with what Joel said. I give it a B. I, I, I'm i optimistic about it. I think, no, not what you said. I'm sorry. I'm not agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Same thing with Jackson. I, I like the direction they went in. I feel like a defensive coach is going to, you know, utilize this talent on this roster. I think the Chargers defense has a lot of talent individually, and I think if they get it together, because I know the offense with Justin Herbert out there, he's shown that it's going to be no problem out there. So I feel like they went in the right direction. I'm still a little optimistic about the coaches, but I think this is a good move, so I'm going to go B. Next hire, Arthur Smith from the Atlanta Falcons. I'll start with you, Riff. What do you I think this? this is an A-minus hire. I think he's going to unlock the offense that this team can still do. I think – He's going to bring the best out of Matt Ryan and get what he got left in this game. 
So I like though I like Calvin Ridley out there. I like Julio, and I like what they're gonna do with this offense. So I give it an A minus. I'm also giving it an A minus. I I think he did an incredible job in Tennessee. He took Ryan Tannehill from you know whatever happened in Miami and really helped him reach his potential in Tennessee. So the way I picture it is they had Matt Ryan now, but I'm sure they're gonna find a young quarterback this year, maybe next year, and having him groomed under Matt Ryan. And with Arthur Smith, I think is perfect. And he's coming from an offense that had a lot of talent to another offense that has a lot of talent. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. You know, it's a it's a pretty stacked offense. So I'm excited to see what he can do. He was a great play caller in Tennessee. He did a great job with them. So I'm excited to see what he does with this offense. So Arthur Smith, I'm giving this higher A B because listen, I think the Falcons going offense was a was a good choice, but I think their defense is what's been holding the Mac these past couple of years. I think Dirk Cutter wasn't that bad as an OC. But that being said, he's going to maximize this Falcons offense. Recently, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf put their best receiver list, and Julio Jones was number one. Yeah. When Julio Jones is five. When Julio Jones is healthy, he is the best receiver in the game. You have Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, whoever they bring in at running back. You got guys, and Matt Ryan, I think, can have another MVP-like season with Arthur Smith at the helm. And they have a fast linebacker core. They need another edge rusher to pair up with Grady Jarrett and Dante Fowler. And their cornerback position is suspect. But if they address those in the draft, I think they'll be all right. I have saw some Arthur Smith interviews in his introductory press conference with the Falcons and some on their YouTube channel. And... I like the way he talks and he acts. I think he's going to bring toughness, and he's trying to play a smart brand of football, which I think is going to help the Falcons, especially in not blowing those leads. So for me, this is a B hire. Next hire, next coach that got hired was Nick Sirianni by the Philadelphia Eagles. Riv, what do you give this? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to give it a B hire just because he's from that Frank Rich system. He, he knows him. Yeah, him. So I'm going to give it a B high. I still think Carson Wentz has to work on a lot of things on himself, but I think getting that coach who's going to instill some confidence and getting that coach who believes him is going to be one step into getting him back to that MVP form. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a B high. I'm still a little optimistic, though. Yeah, I, I gave it a B plus just through the lens of I see the vision, what they're trying to do here. This is coming from the Frank Reich coaching tree and – you know, the idea is hopefully he comes in and he can save and restore your $100 million man and you didn't give out that huge extension for no reason. It will be a nightmare to dump that contract at, at some point. So you get him in the building. You hope now Carson Wentz can get back to his, maybe not even his MVP form, but just close to it, back to a, a good starting quarterback, which I don't think is in some unreasonable expectation uh, I, Indianapolis has been solid. I think that they were really good this year offensively with limited weapons. So I like the hire. I, I A lot of people were not high on it, but I thought it was a good hire. I give this hire a C grade. And even though a C doesn't sound it's a passing grade. like a good grade, I think this was a good hire because they hired Nick Sirianni to fix Carson Wentz. Bottom line, that's what they did. I would have liked Eric Bieniemy. I would have liked him to go there, not going to lie. But I think Nick Sirianni is a good offensive play caller. He's a good offensive mind. And just a fun fact, most of the Indianapolis Colts, like plays that they ran, 
they were designed by Nick Sirianni, but Frank Reich called them. Mm. So he designed those plays. Eagles fans should get used to mesh routes because that's the concept he loves to use. Nick Sirianni was an okay hire, but I, I don't. I think that this was just a move to fix Carson Wentz. Even though I love Carson Wentz, I don't know if that's the best direction for the franchise when you look at the cap hell that they're in. Um, I think Howie Roseman made this hire because it's another coach that he can kind of, you know, control and do what he wants with. But Nick Sirianni, from everything that I've seen, Field Yates, who's a respected NFL guy, has said that he's a very hard worker. So I'm going to take his word for it. I think this was a good hire for the Eagles, and hopefully they get back on track. But this is a tough situation to fix because of the cap hell, all the veteran guys that are already disgruntled. It's going to take more than just being a good offensive mind. It's going to take a lot of leadership and getting the best out of your guys. Eagles is a really hard situation to fix. So we'll see what happens with that. But I give this a C. And last coach, Dan Campbell to the Detroit Lions. I give this a B minus. I think he can be a potential culture changer for the Lions. I'm not sure. I think he's a he's going to be a good motivator and a coach. Anthony Lynn is the OC. I think that's huge. I think Anthony Lynn, even though he failed as a head coach somewhat, he's a good offensive play caller. Aaron Glenn is a defensive coordinator. Matthew Stafford's probably not going to be on Detroit next season. They might draft the quarterback. Who knows how that's going to go. But for me, I give this a B minus. He can be a culture changer, but I am kind of pessimistic on how it can work out if Matthew Stafford is not there. I would say they go the route of maybe signing Tyrod Taylor in the offseason. He's a free agent. You reunited with Anthony Lynn. Well, you don't think they go quarterback in the draft? They do, but I think they don't. They shouldn't start him right away because yeah. a quarterback they'll probably get is Trey Lance. You don't exactly. start him right away. Tyrod Taylor, Anthony Lynn wanted to. He wanted to start Tyrod Taylor last that. season. The reason they did it is because Justin Herbert was so good, and Tyrod Taylor got injured, you know, by a doctor, <laughs> which is crazy. But I think Anthony Lynn really loves Tyrod Taylor as a person and a quarterback. So I think they bring him into Detroit, and he'll be that filler quarterback for Trey Lance or whatever the QB they draft to learn under. I think this can work. I'm giving this a B plus. What do you think? I think I'll give it a B plus. I think, like you said, he's a culture changer. He's somebody that's going to bring a lot of motivation in the locker room. And with now Matthew Stafford and Detroit parting ways, you get a guy who's going to come in and learn right under Dan Campbell. So you got a guy who he gets to groom, and he gets to build the way he wants to build them. So I think that's going to be huge for them. So I'll definitely give them a B. Yeah, I gave it a B as well. I love his energy. I loved his press conference. A lot of people call it a cliche, but I think it's what that franchise needs right now, especially coming off the heels of Matt Patricia, who took it in the total opposite direction. I just think that Dan Campbell is going to bring a great energy, but with having no coordinator background, I guess per se, he's going to have to lean a lot on his coordinators. I do think that he made good hires. I think Anthony Lynn is going to make a good coordinator rather than a head coach. I think he got in a little bit over his head with some of the game management decisions and things like that last year in Los Angeles. But I like the I like the hires on the staff, and I think those are going to be big. But I'll give it a B as of now, but I do think he has the potential to turn it around there. I, I really like his energy. So the coaches that got hired, just to recap, were Urban Meyer to the Jaguars, Robert Sala to the Jets, Brandon Staley to the Chargers, Arthur Smith to the Falcons, Nick Seriani to the Eagles, and Dan Campo to the Lions. We'll see which one is the most successful and which one lasts only oh, a couple gosh, seasons man. amongst these teams, and we'll still see what has to be 
We'll still see who's going to be the net head, the next head coach for the Houston Texans, but I think we can all agree whoever that is, it's going to be a really hard situation yeah. for them to even fix and make functional. And I don't think it's going to be any of the big names, especially a lot of people are expecting it to be Eric Bieniemy. I don't think that Eric Bieniemy should take that job if they offer it to him because with Deshaun Watson having one foot out the door, that is being set up for failure. That's and that's a guy in Eric Bieniemy who has deserved a coaching job for two years now at least, and it's been hard enough for him to get one already, and failing there in Houston would only make it that much tougher. See, for me, this is going to be a pretty uh, uh, strong take, but I don't think any minority coach should take that head coaching opportunity, especially with the lack of opportunities that they've gotten over the years. I think Leslie Frazier, he had an opportunity in Minnesota like 10 years ago, and I think going to tech, the Texans would be just be a mistake because they don't get enough opportunities as is. Be- because of the Rooney rule, teams are forced to interview them, but... If, you, if you're a minority coach and you want to succeed and you know you only got kind of one opportunity to succeed, and this is, this is not just minority coaches, this is any, any coach. coach yeah. If you have one opportunity to succeed as a head coach, this is your first time, you should not take it with a team who you have a high success rate to fail. And right now, based on everything that's happening with the Texans, that's what they're going to be. As long as Cal McNair and Jack Easterby are there, I don't see that situation getting much better anytime soon, especially... They don't have, well, assuming they trade Deshaun Watson, they will have picks, but they still don't have cap space and they won't have the franchise quarterback, which was the main allure to the job. So it's going to be a nightmare situation. So a quarterback that got his second chance in the NFL was Dwayne Haskins. The Pittsburgh Steelers signed Dwayne Haskins after a really uh, pretty crazy start to his career. I mean, he got cut by the Washington football team. Just one year and a half into his tenure there, the previous regime didn't want to pick him, and the new regime of Ron Rivera thought he was very immature. A lot of stuff happened, like flaunting his stats after a loss, not taking Thomas Davis's advice. And to this point, his stats have been 12 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, 2,804 yards, and a 74.4 quarterback rating. Do you think that Dwayne Haskins will revive his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can I can yeah. I start with do we hear anything about Ben Roethlisberger's future yet? I don't think he's made a set in stone decision yet, has he? We haven't heard. I haven't heard nothing. I haven't seen nothing. I mean, I'll start I'll start by saying this. I think if Ben Roethlisberger comes back for this one season, it will be the best thing for him because this would be a chance to sit behind a legendary quarterback and you know, earn your stripes, earn your way back into the fold. Pittsburgh is looking for their quarterback of the future, I think would be fair to say, following Ben Roethlisberger. And now Dwayne Haskins has the chance that, you know, we were questioning if he would ever get a chance again in the league after the way things happened in Washington. So now, for a month later, you to get a chance with a great organization that has an elite defense, one of the most well-respected and successful head coaches in the league, and sitting behind a future probably Hall of Fame quarterback, the situation can't get much better for you to go in, learn leadership, maybe not even learn leadership, but learn how to be a part of an NFL locker room and not ostracize yourself from your teammates and just get back on your feet because what killed him was his attitude more than anything. You could nitpick what he did as a quarterback, but I thought he showed flashes of being special 
at, at times with the Washington football team, but he just couldn't get out of his own way. So now to come into this situation, Pittsburgh is probably one of the best rehabilitatory places in all of football, I would say. Let's <laughs> call it a rehab. <laughs> not, not to call it rehab, but just, uh, you know, uh, I think it will be one of the best places in football to revive your career just because they have a great structure. They've been such a good franchise for so long now. Mike Tomlin is such a great head coach. And Ben Roethlisberger, at this point in his career, I feel like he knows he's on the way out. He has so much to give as a quarterback because of the success that he's had in the league. So this is a perfect situation for Dwayne Haskins. It's just on him to accept it and take it, you know, in stride and, you know, not get too far ahead of himself like he did in Washington. I think most I, – I can agree to the sense I think this is a place where if, if you're going to do it, this would be a really good place under Mike Tomlin. You get that leadership from Big Ben. I think he can groom him and teach him to become that quarterback. I also, also think that – the Steelers have a good enough team on paper where you can be like, all right, he can be successful here. In the same sense, he's in the way of himself. I think he's done things where you can see where, stop kicking me. (laughs) 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 What's wrong with this guy? I think he's in the way of himself, and I think he's done things where you can see, you can see why teams push off him, but I think the situation in Pittsburgh has him looking in the right direction because with Big Ben there and Mike Tomlin there, who I think is a great coach, I think he can definitely revive his career there. See, for me... It's always a for me thing. Look, I'm going to say this. I disagree with you, Jack, about about it being a rehabilitatory place. And the reason I say that is because, first, I'll start out with this. I think, on paper, the Steelers are a good destination, right? You got a pretty... You have an okay offensive line. You have Chase Claypool, a good receiver, Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, James Conner's a free agent. Who knows if he's going to come back? Juju's a free agent also. Who knows what's going to happen with him? But on paper, you have offensive weapons, and Randy Fitchner is out, who was their Achilles heel this past season. They promoted Matt Canada to be their offensive offensive play caller, their OC. And just a fun fact about Matt Canada, when he was in college, NFL coaches were calling him on offensive play designs. So this guy is a revered offensive mind He's intelligent. He's brilliant on the offensive side of the football. So the Steelers might have some new life there. But who has really revived their career with the Steelers? You know, I think the best destination for me in football all these years, well, as long as where Brady, well, when the where the Patriots with Brady, when you go to the Patriots, your career usually, you know, if you can't make it there, you can't make it anywhere because they're the best, they're the most disciplined place to play. A.B. did it with the Bucks now, so I'm just guessing it's just a Brady thing wherever he well, goes. Yeah. But for the Steelers, Mike Tomlin is a great coach. He's great at motivating his guys. But discipline, I don't know about that because what was the storyline for the Steelers all season long? Juju making TikToks, Chase Claypool making TikToks. What happened after the, the Steelers lost to the Browns? Chase Claypool making comments about how the Browns are going to lose to the Chiefs anyway and all this and basically just, you know, S-H-I-T talking, just shit talking. I'll just say it. So I don't think that's very disciplined of them. They're young receivers and Tomlin, it doesn't look like he has them under control and what to say and what's the right thing to say, especially when talking to the media. So why do I think all of a sudden Dwayne Hassens is going to mature when two of their top players or their top guys on the offense in Claypool and Juju have shown 
no ability to be mature to this point with Tomlin as a coach. That's a big concern for me. Well, I, I just feel like Haskins, again, it's on him at this point, but I feel like he has to know this is this is it for him. He's You rarely get a second chance. You almost never get a third chance. So I feel like he knows this is it for him, and he's got to walk into this situation with that mindset. It, anywhere he goes, if he was going to walk in the door slipping up the way he was in Washington, they'll kick him to the cur- kick him to the curb quicker than they even signed the deal. So and this is what I think it's this it's more of. It has more to do with Dwayne Haskins 100%. realizing he has a second chance and capitalizing on the opportunity because Mike Tomlin has shown the ability to be loose with his players and let players be themselves, which is not a bad thing. But with Dwayne Haskins we can't just think that because he's with the Steelers, Mike Tomlin is going to, you know, treat him like his son. Dwayne Haskins, he's a grown man. He got to make he has to make his own decisions whether does he want to be a great quarterback? Does he want to be a starting quarterback or does he not? Does he want to take it serious or does he not? This is on him to succeed. Do I think that he's going to take this opportunity and do so? I hope so. You know, I hope so. Like I said, I've never been high on Dwayne Haskins. But I hope he gets it right because you'd hate to see a career or a guy with his potential career go down the drain like this. Yeah, I question it just because it's so hard to change your character in general. But now you're talking about having a complete character change in when he was released a month ago, about a month and a half maybe. And that's a huge turnaround to make in a very short period of time. And maybe, just maybe... Him getting cut by the Washington football team was the slap in the face that he needed to say, okay, I got to stop BSing. This is this is it for me. Like, I have one more shot. So I hope, like you said, that he is able to take this situation by the reins and make the most out of it because it could be perfect for him. Ben Roethlisberger comes back for one more season. He gets to learn that system, whatever, and then step into a team that has a lot of talent and is competing right now. So it could be a very good situation. But like you said, at the end of the day, it's on him to own up to his mistakes, learn from them, and be better and be the guy that he was hailed to be coming into the league. Matt Canada, the new OC, has been called the master of disguise. So Steelers fans are hoping he revamps that offense and they're better next season. Now we're going to go into talking about Matthew Stafford, another trending topic in the NFL Not a lot of news happened this week. Dwayne Hassan's got signed. Of course, the game's happened. But also, Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions have decided to part their separate ways, and they're going to work on a deal to get him traded. Where do you want to see Matthew Stafford get traded to? And I asked this question to you guys, and I want you guys to name me one team on your mind that you want to see Matthew Stafford get traded to. So don't name me five, don't name me three, name me one team that you want to see him with. I'll start while you guys think. I was ready. I want to see him on the Indianapolis Colts. I think Frank Reich (laughs) is a great head coach. They have a great defense. They have good offensive weapons with the running game. T.Y. Hilton is a free agent. So is Trey Burton and Mo Alley-Cox, so we'll see if they bring them back or not. Xavier Rhodes is also a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. But they need a QB. Rivers just retired, and I think the lat and I think they're gonna end up going with Stafford because who else is on the market that they can get? Deshaun Watson 
is not going to go to the Colts. They can get Sam Darnold. Uh, after after the Jets get to Sean Watson. Maybe. I, I <laughs> Maybe. I think Deshaun Watson will not go to the Colts yeah. because they're in the same division. There's no way they trade him to that same division. Derek Carr, there has been no rumors that the Raiders are going to move on from him this offseason. So I don't know if he's going to be up in the air. I think Matthew Stafford is the most realistic option if you want a proven quarterback. You can go Sam Donald, but I don't know how proven Sam Donald yeah. is. And they're ready to compete right now. Yeah, so I'd go with Matthew Stafford. We'll see what the asking price is. But the last time Stafford had a top 10 defense, which is what the Colts were, he went 11-5. and five. And that was with Joe Lombardi as OC, and they weren't that good. So Stafford on a team that's that great at defense – they can make some noise, and I think he'd do wonders in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think they would automatically become one of the favorites in the AFC alongside, you know, maybe not at the same level with the Chiefs and the Bills, but maybe a step below it. Another team, you know, obviously the Colts were up high on my list, but the next team on my list was the Washington football team. Another team I think had a great defense, could use some help in the weapons department just like the Colts. I love Ron Rivera as a head coach. I think they're in a good spot and they're ready to compete right now. And what could help that a lot is Matthew Stafford, a quarterback. Last year, I I mean, just this past season, they were, what, one possession away. They had a chance with Tyler Heineke at quarterback to to defeat the Bucs, who are now going to be playing on Super Bowl Sunday. So if you could add a guy like Matthew Stafford, who I think is one of the most underappreciated players in the league because he's been stuck on the Lions his whole career, if you could add him and you could maybe add, well, we'll talk about what we think the Washington football team should do, but if you could add him, I think it would bring you a long way as contenders in the NFC. Well, you kind of stole my pick. I was going to say the Indianapolis Colts. I think them or the Redskins. I didn't even think about the Redskins. But Washington, Washington football, football team. team. <sighs> I think you guys. Uh, I think them or the Washington football team definitely gives him the best chance to be successful. <laughs> I think Detroit has wasted away his prime, and I think Indianapolis gives him the best bet. With the Texans inevitably falling apart and the Titans being only the competition for the Colts, I think Matthew Stafford is better than Phillip Rivers at this point. I think he makes them a little bit better in that sense. And I think you get a guy who can still throw the ball like at a high level. So I think that team, if they can get some weapons with Stafford, I think they'll make them not like Buffalo Bill, Kansas City, but I think it'll definitely make them a notch below. I mean, I've been waiting to see Matthew Stafford – go to a good team since forever because I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. And you talked about them not being able to match up with Buffalo or be on that level. They only lost by three points to Buffalo. So I think getting Matthew Stafford puts them at an even level or even above the Buffalo Bills. And I think Matthew Stafford, if he goes to a good team like the Colts, is going to prove himself to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I think he's a top 10 talent in the NFL. There's a reason he was a number one pick. His career to this point, his Hall of Fame caliber career has gotten wasted by the Detroit Lions. He's a way better quarterback than what his win-loss record shows there. And I can't wait for Matthew Stafford to go to a team, whether it is the Colts, I hope he does go to the Colts, and have a resurgence kind of like Ryan Tannehill, where now Ryan Tannehill was respected. Because Matthew Stafford, we all know he's great, but he doesn't – a lot of people don't respect him. A lot of football fans don't respect him. They still think that he doesn't win enough and whatever. You can say all this other stuff. I think if he goes to the Colts, he will be respected. Yeah, and I was actually just the other day watching Calvin Johnson Megatron highlight reel, 10 minutes long, 
my two main takeaways from it. My first takeaway, Calvin Johnson is ridiculous. But my second takeaway was, man, Matthew Stafford made some ridiculous throws in that video. Go and watch any Calvin Johnson highlight reel. Some of the throws that Matt Stafford, albeit Calvin Johnson, made incredible plays. Some of the throws were incredible. And it went totally under the radar because the Lions have been such a poor franchise over the last decade. But he really has top-tier arm talent in the NFL right now. Golden Tate called Matthew Stafford the best quarterback he ever played mm. with. And that was after he played with Russell Wilson. Mm. So that's high praise t- saying that about Matthew Stafford. The biggest knock, knock on Stafford early in his career was he can't do it without Kevin Johnson. Megatron retired, and he did it without Kevin Johnson. Yeah. He put up great numbers. This past year, he had 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. I hope he goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Also, another sleeper pick, the New York Giants. Mm. Don't sleep on them. I Daniel Jones is not going to be that guy. At least I don't think so. They don't have a number one, but they have a bunch of number twos. And I think the Giants right now, this is right now the NFC East is an opportunity to win the division. Watch the football team is going to be better, but their offense is still questionable. The Eagles, I don't know what they're going to be. The Dallas Cowboys, you don't know if Dak is going to be back or not. The Giants have a really good opportunity here. Their offensive line is getting better. You get you go Matthew. You get Matthew Stafford with that good defense. They can compete. Yeah, and it's almost like we talked about Deshaun Watson with the Jets and the Dolphins. One of the most important things for the Jets to look at is you can't let him get to the Dolphins. If you're the Giants, you got to look at this and say we can't let Matthew Stafford get to the Washington Football Team because then that that gives them the leg up in the division. That makes the Washington Football Team the favorites in that division. So if you're the Giants. You're not playing checkers, you're playing chess. Not only are you getting better at the quarterback position, but you're taking away a major option for your division rival. So just a hypothetical question. What do you think Matthew Stafford makes the Colts? AFC Championship appearance, potential Super Bowl appearance? What do you think? I think, like, I just look at it with the Bills, you know, making this big emergence. I can only assume that we're going to see a next big jump from them next year, and if they make the right pieces, I think they'll be a better team. I do believe, though, if... Matthew Stafford still playing at this high, high level, and if the Colts can get some weapons out there to complement him, I think they'll be right under. I think they can definitely sneak in and get an AFC. I think they can beat the Bills. I don't think they could beat the Chiefs. I would put my money in the Bills, though. But I think they can definitely make an AFC championship. Yeah, I would say if they got Matthew Stafford, AFC championship would be, like, the goal. Like, you would have a successful season going to the AFC championship. The Colts have their top five in cap space. Oof. So not only can they get Matthew Stafford, but they can sign a bunch of good to great players in free agency. Like Chris Godwin. Maybe they steal Will Fuller from the Texans, and they get Will Fuller a speedster to pair up with Pittman and Paris Campbell, who's coming back. I'm going to say this. Mm, Oh, boy. If Matthew Stafford joins the Indianapolis Colts and they make the right free agency moves and get some big names in free agency, not only will they make the playoffs (laughs) for sure and win the division for sure, but I have them as Super Bowl sleepers mm. if they get Matthew Stafford. That's how good I. That's how much I believe in Matthew Stafford. I'll say just getting Matthew Stafford alone would make them the division favorite for me. me and I would like to see what they do with the money. And I would, I would not disagree with that take depending on how they spend that money. Yeah, getting Matthew Stafford alone makes them. I wouldn't dis- disregard that. But getting them, getting him some weapons. They'll definitely put them on. I look over at what the they top. did with Philip Rivers. Rivers had a good season, 
but he was not the same guy that he He's was early in his career. Right so if you could give them somebody with Matthew Stafford's arm talent and some money to spend, get another weapon in there, it's scary. The Indianapolis Colts are one team that is trying to get their new quarterback after Phillip Rivers retired. But the next team is the oh, Washington football we team. this topic, I have to do it. Okay. No, I was just letting you. I didn't want you to start. I have to do it. You know, baby duties. I <laughs> Now, we'll start the topic. You can go, though. Oh, no, you know, I, wanted, I wanted to stop you before you started talking and talk yeah. to me like, yo, Riv, and I just be like, oh, what I have, you know? <laughs> okay, so we're going to do this topic, just Jack and I. So the Washington football team, they have some holes right now, specifically at the quarterback position. The Washington football team needs to make a decision on whether they want to keep Taylor Heineke to be their long-term answer or they don't. Right now, the quarterbacks that they have are Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, and Taylor Haneke. Kyle Allen might be a free agent, so I'm not sure. But let's just talk about potential quarterback options for the Washington football team and also which quarterback do you think will eventually end up with the Washington football team. So give me your options at quarterback for them. I'll say in a different season, in any other year, Heineke would not be a bad option. I would say maybe it would be wise, save some money, go with a guy that just showed you some real guts in a playoff game. And even still as a fallback plan, it's not the worst thing in the world alongside Alex Smith if you can restructure his deal. But in a year like this, where there are so many quarterback options, you just have to look at bringing in somebody else. The main guy for me at this point, although unrealistic, I'll say Deshaun Watson. He should be on every team not named the Kansas City Chiefs radar. But, obviously, that's the guy you would want number one. Then, more realistic options, I would say Dak Prescott is one of them. You saw what he did with that Cowboys offense earlier in the season before he got hurt. He was having, he was putting up MVP-type numbers. And granted, it was a very small sample size. I feel like we've been seeing him trend up, and he was finally about to take that step. And, and obviously, you saw how it ended, but... If you could surround him with, obviously, Terry McLaurin is a great weapon. Antonio Gibson, the line, although they need to bring back a, a couple of pieces, was pretty solid, I guess you could say. If they could get a number two weapon and bring in Dak Prescott, I think it would be great. Or Matthew Stafford, who I just mentioned. Another guy, great arm talent. Just if you could get an upgrade over Alex Smith, like you saw what this team was able to do with Alex Smith. He was so great for them this year, and he still was not even the Alex Smith that we saw before his injury, as well as he did end up playing. So, you know, just like we were talking about with the Colts, they had so much success with Phillip Rivers. Now the Washington football team coming off a season where they were so great when Alex Smith started. If you could get an upgrade there, I really think that launches them into, you know, maybe NFC conference championship sleeper contention. See, for me, I I have a feeling that Alex Smith may retire. If I was him, I would retire at least. Um, That would save the Washington football team a lot of money and a lot of cap to play with. For me, I think that I have three options. I agree with that Dak Prescott one, and there was a report that said that if if the Dallas Cowboys don't keep him, the Washington football team will probably throw a lot of money at him. I think it would be a great fit. So I think that would be a great quarterback to get, Dak Prescott. I love Dak Prescott. Deshaun Watson, you mentioned. He's a great quarterback. No need to really talk about that. What's holding him back or the Washington football team from making a deal is that I don't think they'll have enough assets. Yeah. And if they do trade for him, they're going to really blow away all of their future assets. And with a team that has 
a bunch of great players that they have to sign long term, uh, that wouldn't be the smartest move giving away all your assets. Another one is Derek Carr. If Derek Carr was on the market, the Washington football team should look to target Derek Carr. I think with that defense and with those offensive weapons, Derek Carr can win games there and make them a playoff contender. And the other one, you mentioned Matthew Stafford. A lot of people don't know this, but the Washington football team's current GM, Martin Mayhew, was the GM who drafted Matthew Stafford. So there is a real legit connection with the Washington football team, and I think Stafford fits there. I expect the Washington football team to get better in terms of their offensive weapons. We know Terry McLaurin is the number one wide receiver. Antonio Gibson showed out. Logan Thomas was phenomenal this past season. I expect them to sign a free agent wide receiver who's going to possibly take that offense to the top. Their offensive line was really good last season. We know their defense is elite. We know their coaching staff is really good with Ron Vera, Jack Del Rio, and Scott Turner. You just need that quarterback. For me, in this moment in time, because of that connection with Matthew Stafford and the Washington football team's current GM and Martin Mayhew, I think they end up with Stafford. Even though I've said, even in the previous segment, that I hope that Stafford ends up with the Colts, I think Washington makes the most sense because of that connection there. I would say the two realistic options are Stafford and Prescott. I'm going to say Stafford ends up with the Colts, Prescott goes to the Washington football team, and I say they win the NFC East next year. I think they're a quarterback away from being a really, really good team, especially with the money they had to spend. And obviously we have to see where they're going to spend it. But one thing that it's a positive for them, Brandon Scherf said he wants to re-sign there. So that is, is a good sign. You're going to have that offensive line back. Um, and it's a big free agency class for wide receivers, which is one of the biggest things that they need is that second option with Terry McLaurin. It was such an Achilles heel for them last year. Now you get McLaurin, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, a second receiver out of that whole class of guys. There are so many great names. Even number twos, you could look at like a Juju Smith-Schuster or uh, a Marvin Jones, I think would be a viable option. And if you could put Dak Prescott or Matthew Stafford, if they get one of those two guys, I would feel confident saying they're going to win the NFC East. Yeah, for me, I think if they get a guy like Dak Prescott, they will win the NFC East because I think the Washington football team is just a quarterback away from winning that division. I don't know how far they'd go in the playoffs, but winning that division, they're a quarterback away. I'm not ready to say Dak Prescott will be their quarterback, though, because I think especially when the team owns your rights still, I don't I don't think the Cowboys let Dak go, especially after he got injured and there was a whole sympathy tour for Dak. I don't think the Cowboys move on from him because there's going to be a lot of backlash if they do. And also, they're not picking high enough in the draft to get one of the top quarterbacks. They're probably going to be lucky if they land Mac Jones, and if they land Mac Jones, is he ready to start day one? No. I don't think so. So Dak is their only option right now, and because of that, I, don't, I just don't see a scenario where the Dallas Cowboys move on from Dak Prescott. Like I said, I think Matthew Stafford ends up with the Washington football team. So if Stafford goes to the Colts, then who do you think is the next realistic option for the Washington football team? That's tough. I think if Stafford goes to the Colts, I don't think Deshaun Watson, if they want, if the football team wants to go all in, then maybe. But I think the most viable option for Deshaun is the Dolphins and the Jets. So 
I think they either run it back with Taylor Heineke because he really showed flashes yeah. in that game. They run it back with him, or they try to trade for Derek Carr or get maybe a low-level quarterback in free agency, like a, like maybe a Jacoby Brissett to be that rich quarterback, a guy like that. But I don't really have a definitive answer. I would have said Derek Carr if Derek Carr was up yeah. in the air right now, but he's not. I th- But I think... If Matthew Stafford ends up with the coach, it's going to be a really, it's going to be a gut punch because yeah, I don't think they get Watson. Exactly. And I, I wish that they weren't in such a position to win because I would love to see Heineke have a chance to win that job. And maybe he still will, but just with the quarterbacks out there, I, I feel pretty confident that they're going to go out and get one of those guys. One I forgot to names. mention, maybe Cam Newton is their quarterback. It's not a the bad Ron idea. Rivera connection. Even if you just bring him in and have him compete with Heineke, because he he had a really down year. But maybe you get somebody on his heels as and get him on his heels and make him work for that starting job. It could elevate him back to a similar level like he was in Carolina. So there's a list of quarterbacks whose futures are in question: Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Jimmy G, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater. Mitch Trubisky, Jameis, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, and Big Ben. The only ones I think that make them marginally better would be Aaron Rodgers, obviously, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, or Deshaun Watson. Like Those would be the four that I think would make them a lot better. Yeah, for me, I think the only realistic options on here that I think they should go after are Stafford, Dak, Watson, Cam Newton, and believe it or not, Jameis. Like, Jameis. I think yeah. Jam- I think Jameis I, still has a lot of potential. I think he's going to wind up in New Orleans, honestly. I don't think he's. I don't think it's in question. I do think he's going to be their starter next so year. So, final take. You said that you believe. I think it's. I got this weird feeling it's going to be Dak Prescott. Dak will be on the Washington football team. But it'll be Dak or Stafford, and they will win the NFC East. So, you think Dak will be on the Washington football team, and I think Matthew Stafford will be on the team. So, let's see what happens. I think either quarterback makes them better. We'll see what they do in the offseason and if they trade for one of those quarterbacks or sign them. We'll sign Dak and trade for Matthew Stafford. We'll see what happens. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. It was a pretty short episode for our normal standard episode. It was only an hour and 41 minutes. But we didn't want to get redundant. A lot of the stuff we're going to yeah. talk about is going to be next week in terms of previewing the Super Bowl because anything can happen a week from now. Players can get injured. Reports can happen, so we want to have a lot of information so we can give a good preview and prediction for that game. And we just want to pre- we just want to shout you guys out for listening or watching the podcast. Riv had to leave early, but he made it through all seven segments, seven of the eight segments. And yeah, I think this was a really good show. I like this show. A lot of cool topics we talked about. Yeah, especially in a week where you know it's been kind of dull outside of you know really the the one thing with Matthew Stafford saying he's going to be let go of. Outside of that, there wasn't really that much NFL news this week. So it was cool to be able to talk about some topics that normally we probably wouldn't cover. And since the football season is ending, we'll probably start merging these episodes and talk about NFL and NBA and probably doing an NBA only show, but also an NFL slash NBA. If the topics for NFL get to, there's really nothing much to talk about with the NFL, you know, so. We'll see what happens. We'll see the format. Um, we'll, we're probably thinking to go live on YouTube again whenever we have time and so we can chat with you guys and we can interact with you guys. But as always, you guys have been killing it. We're probably going to reach... We're already at 200 downloads this month. 
for the wow. podcast. And we had like, I think we had 200 downloads over the past like three months or something like that, right? Yes, I believe so. That's crazy. So last month we hit 200. This month we already hit 200. So thank you guys for supporting us. As always, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. And if you guys want to donate to us on Patreon, then donate at Pick Aside Podcast on Patreon.com. And also, I want to ask you guys one more favor. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please review this podcast and give us a five-star rating, whatever rating you feel is fit for our podcast. Because if you guys give us that rating, it helps us out in terms of being more recognized and known and appearing on other people's page in terms of podcasts. So we'd appreciate that. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you next time.